Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Jerry Callahan Show. Seen Ironhead this excited. I gave him a little assignment last night. We need the top 10 creepy Joe moments. We need the top 10 uh, Herbert the pervert moments from our commander in chief. And uh, I don't know, it was about a half hour later. Ironhead says, I got no, I told you to get top five. Actually, I said, give me a top five list because right. I think we have a winner, a new winner. And it's incredible. If you haven't seen it yet, I think it was Friday. In Finland, we have a new, I thought, a new number one. But Ina is going to leave us in suspense. He told me he will, we will find out what the winner is. The number one creepy moment from Creepy Joe, the, the predator-in-chief in the White House. I just find the one from last week to be so remarkable because he's being watched. It's like you're being watched. It's like you're that neighborhood pervert in the raincoat by the playground, and you know all the mothers there are, are watching you. They're ready to call the cops on you, and you still open up the raincoat and flash the little kids on the playground. That's what we're dealing with. Our president oversees dealing with this vital NATO summit, and he took time out to, uh, I don't know, to give in to his demons. He can't control the demons. He can't stop creeping people out but we got the list top 10 creepiest moments and ironhead said he had a tough time winnowing it down to 10 <laughs> how many did you look at how many, how many oh i was looking at compilations everything there's so many it takes there's, up a, there's it there's takes so up many. a pretty big corner of the internet is creepy joe biden <laughs> and, and imagine if he were not being watched what does he do when there are no cameras you know what does he do i don't know when his when his daughter's in the shower <laughs> Oh, but uh, I'm looking forward to this. We, I love lists. We got lists. You, you made one, the creepiest moments of uh, Joe Biden. It, it was a tough one. Took you a while, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see if we agree on number one. We'll see if we agree on the whole list. I made a list this morning, and it's not quite as uh, lurid. It's the, uh, the odds. And you can help me with this, too, because you're a big odds guy. I'm making the odds, setting the odds for Trump's vice president pick. It hasn't got that much coverage. Byron Donalds was asked about this, and he said, sure, he's all in. If uh, Trump would consider vice president, there's a few other people who are on the short list. I made the odds, and you know who I'm uh, including on my list of uh, potential vice presidential candidates? One Tucker Carlson, who is riding high again, man. Fox News tried to kill the beast, and they failed. He is kicking ass. 
He just announced his Twitter show, signed up some big advertisers. He's going to start making real money on Twitter. I look forward to that because uncensored, unfiltered Tucker is the best. We saw it this weekend on Friday. Uh, Tucker was in Iowa. Or was it Saturday? No, Friday in Iowa interviewing all the presidential Republican uh, uh, candidates for president, um, excluding, not including the front runner. For some reason, Donald Trump didn't feel like showing up there. He should have just like he should be in the debate, the Fox News debate later, late in August. Uh, But he's got such a big lead and he's uh, uh, didn't feel like he had to go there. But it was a forum that would have served him well. I'm just sitting up on stage with Tucker going back and forth. Gives you a chance to to ad lib, to riff, to make jokes. And it was stunning how badly these candidates did. Uh, I know it's a I, I hate this cliche on uh, on Twitter. You see it a lot of times. Call 911. I'm going to report a murder. You know, when someone puts someone else in their place. We heard a lot. We heard that a lot over the weekend because Tucker essentially just ended the candidacy of a couple of these lightweights. It was very revealing. Obviously, when they do these town halls or they do interviews with local media or they sit down with uh, I don't know, Sean Hannity, it's not that tough. But when you sit down with Tucker, you get challenged. And Tucker is uh, against the, the war in Ukraine. Obviously, he's against censorship. He's against the uh, administrative state, certain things that piss him off, that get him going. And one of them would be, more than anything else, would be the war in Ukraine and sending uh, cluster bombs, you know, just to just to uh, help that thriving democracy and help that beacon of democracy. You know, our newest Winston Churchill, that would be Vladimir Zelensky. Well, they talked. he talked about it with all the candidates. And I will say this, I, thought, I think Ron DeSantis did quite well. Megyn Kelly declared DeSantis the winner of this Iowa event. Um, Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy does real well in these moments. He is full of energy. He's got, he's got ideas. He's just, uh, he's just tireless. He, he shows up anywhere. He doesn't need a script. Ramaswamy is really good at this. I think he helped his cause, but a couple of other guys just essentially, they just melted in this moment and it was revealing. Um, there's, there's one thing, I'll get to the T, uh, the Turning Point USA event in Florida the next day where Tucker makes an appearance and does stand-up comedy for like 45 minutes. I'm telling you, I don't know what his next move is, but whatever it is, it's going to be huge. He, he obviously wants to be involved in the next year and a half, the election, the, the primaries, the debates. Uh, Tucker ain't going away. And now he's going to start making real money. But they bring out these candidates, just a one-on-one thing, Tucker asking questions. And, um, but when it was over, I would say the field of Democrat, of, of, Democrat, of Republican candidates, I would say it went from, uh, I don't know what it is, 12, 13, 15, down to about two. Because here's, here's, here's the problem you have. Uh, they did a poll at the, uh, the Turning Point event over the weekend, and they, they asked, who's your candidate? Trump won overwhelmingly. They asked about issues, and they asked about the Ukraine war. Now, the Turning Point crowd, you know, they're young, they're energized, they're engaged. Uh, these are grassroots conservatives, and they are against the war in Ukraine by a uh, slight margin here, 96% to 4 Ninety-six percent 
of uh, Republicans at this big Republican event are against the war. There's this great divide here. I think most Republicans clearly are against the war. Uh, they're, They're certainly against escalating the war, getting more involved in the war. That's strictly uh, a thing with elected officials. The elected Republicans, they're all in. I mean, every Democrat's in. They all want war. They want endless war. They want to send hundreds of billions to uh, to Ukraine, even though Zelensky has uh, canceled the elections, imprisoned priests, uh, shut down churches. They want to support democracy. Yeah, democracy. That's what you call democracy when you cancel elections. So you get this great divide of of the elected officials and then the grassroots uh, the voters. The, the voters don't want this war. They don't want it. They know it'll never end. They know it'll cost us hundreds of trillions. They know that there's there's you know that they, they they don't like Russia. They hate Putin, but they don't want to see hundreds of thousands of people die, including many many civilians. That's a thing. That's what Biden wants. That's what Mitch McConnell wants. Lindsey Graham. That's really important to them to see thousands and thousands of civilians dead fighting over the border of Ukraine and Russia. Most voters are like, this is insane. End this war. Uh, I, I think they like it when Trump says he could end it in a day. It's silly. And we'll get to that. Uh, finally, he was asked by Maria Bartiroma, what if it doesn't end in a day? What if Putin doesn't do what you demand he do he do in 24 hours. Trump's answer is absolutely idiotic, but uh, not nearly as bad as Tim Scott's. Now, Tim Scott is a likable guy, senator from uh, South Carolina. By the way, I got a weird, I want to digress for a second. There's two senators from South Carolina, Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham. They're both middle-aged men. Neither has ever been married or had a kid. They have no kids, no wives. Isn't that weird? I mean, it just seems odd. What are the odds of two guys representing the same state, never been married, never had kids? It just feels like uh, they don't really, it's hard to be in touch with regular people when you've never been married, never had kids, never had a family, never raised a child. Come anyway, that doesn't eliminate them. Again, some people think he's vice president material. Obviously, he's very upbeat. He's very religious. He likes to work the crowd. When Tucker asked his questions, he would get up out of his chair and he said, my mother wanted a preacher. So that makes him want to stand up and preach. But if you want to hear an incoherent stance, just a, 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 a position on the war that makes zero sense. This is a U.S. senator who gets to vote on these things, by the way. We're supposed to, you know, vote in the Senate on war. It's not supposed to be a unilateral uh, declaration by the president. We don't always follow that, uh, you know, constitutional requirement, but this is a sitting U S Senator talking about the war in Ukraine and his position. And I'm telling you, I've never heard anything less coherent than this. And again, it's war. It's hundreds of billions of dollars. It's people dying. It's potentially Americans dying because Joe Biden isn't going to stop until we send U.S. troops, we put boots on the ground. That's part of the plan. I mean, we're training their F-16. We're training their pilots on F-16s now, which means we're going to give them F-16s. We're going to give them Abrams tanks. We're going to escalate this war, and inevitably, Americans will have to be there, which means Americans will die. None of these candidates seems to give a damn. It's like, 
Oh, sure, we'll eventually send troops, but whatever, democracy. Listen to this gibberish from a sitting U.S. senator. Go ahead. Oh, you know, a nation that great has to be aware of threats to its very existence. Absolutely. Yesterday, Biden mobilized reserves. What do you think of that? And are you concerned that we're moving, as we seem to be, toward war with Russia? Yeah, so I would say that without any question, we should never allow American soldiers to be engulfed into the challenge between Ukraine and Russia. Our boots on the ground should not be there. The ability... My mama wanted to preach or someone will stand up and do it. <laughs> oh way. Preach! Hallelujah! So... Literally, so I think one of the failures of President Biden has been his inability to articulate America's national vital interest in the conflict or the genocide in Ukraine. America's national vital interest is degrading the Russian military. When we degrade the Russian military, we make sure that our home front is safer and that our NATO ally partners that would cause us to send soldiers over is safe. When we have the land contiguous with Ukraine safe, we keep our American soldiers at home and our primary objective should only be to engage when America's vital national <laughs> interests face. are being engaged. And unfortunately, President Biden has no ability to understand and appreciate what that looks like. Wait, wait. Do you got it there? He's, he's all in on the war, but it's uh, the American's national interest is what? The land? I think the he, land? I think he means that like there's NATO countries on the other side of Ukraine. So as long as we make sure right. that they're not, I, that's the best I can come up with on the yeah, end there. And, and there's a guy who's all in favor of sending, sending money, sending arms, sending tanks. It goes on and on and on like that. And if you're just listening, not watching, Tucker is looking at him like, what are you talking about? It just, he's it doing just, he's doing the it, Tucker face. You all know it. Yeah, it gives, it gives him the Tucker face. But that's not nearly. Do we have any more from uh, from Tim or just is uh, we moving on to uh, to Mike Pence and the end of Mike Pence's political career? Yeah, we're moving on <laughs> to the homicide. Okay, Mike Pence was vice president for four years, which I still find unbelievable. When you listen to this guy, he was a, a obviously a, he, he was a talk show host. You know that in Indiana, a mm-hmm. talk show host. Imagine that that show. Imagine listening to that show. Sounds like he would uh, they would love him at Odyssey. Fits right in. He's just dreadfully dull, and oh my god, is it painful to listen to? And he's just stoic, and he's got he's got no emotion. And he tries to explain to Tucker uh, why we should continue to send money in arms and why we're not doing enough. Now, you tell me. I know, I know lots of Republicans. I know lots of conservatives. I've never met one who thinks we're not doing enough. We need troops. We need uh, planes. We need more tanks. We're not doing enough. He's saying this in front of a crowd of Republican voters who aren't on board with this. They're not cheering. They don't agree with him. This is absolute madness. I don't get why this guy's running to begin with. Nobody really supports him. Uh, I don't even know if he's qualified for the debate yet. No one's sending him money. No one's going to vote for him. 
He's uninspiring. He's not genuine. He doesn't feel like a real person. I mean, I guess Trump picked him because he presented a contrast. He was, you know, this Christian leader, as as Tucker points out, we'll get to it. A Christian leader who really, who really thinks we should send more cluster bombs to kill civilians. That's what kind of Christian leader Mike Pence is. But this is the end right here, the end of Mike Pence's campaign. It is so embarrassing listening to him attempt to pander to this crowd without knowing at all what they believe, what they want. It's just this disconnect, this divide is striking. There's nobody out there who's saying, my vote is going to the guy who wants to send more, do more, give more to Zelensky. Nobody. Zero. I mean, I don't even know how he's at, whatever he's at, 3 or 4%. How is he getting three or 4%? How is anybody on board with this insanity? But he gets, this is not, we're not talking about sitting down with whatever, with whoever, uh, I, don't know, I don't know who would be, uh, with Jake Tapper. We're sitting down with Tucker Carlson here who facts checks him in real time. And it's glorious because you can just feel the end right here. This is the end of Mike Pence's political career. Let's watch. Along the way, the Biden administration has been slow in providing military support. Make no mistake about this. We promised them 33 Abrams tanks in January. I heard again two weeks ago in Ukraine, they still don't have them. We've been telling them we'll train their F-16 pilots, but now they're saying maybe January we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, have you, I know you're running for president. You are are distressed that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. (laughs) Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president. Hold on. Hold on. Hold the phone. What? I I saw people uh, all over the weekend tweeting about this, talking about this, and some people tried to defend him. It's not what he meant. What do you mean? Not what he meant. Tucker, it could not have been clear. We got problems at home. That's what people care about. The, the, the cities are falling apart. Crime's out of control. We got problems at home. And the former vice president, a presidential candidate says, it's not my concern. I watched this a couple of times and I was wondering if people would say, oh, he was misinterpreted or misconstrued. What did we, what, what was misinterpreted? He said, it's not my concern. When Tucker asked about this country, about America, as opposed to Ukraine, as opposed to sending more money and tanks, he's upset that we haven't sent them enough tanks. Honest to God, I'll open it. I'll look at the comments. Does anybody, is there anybody, forget you commenters, because I know you're probably, you know, you probably think like I do if you're listening right now. But do you know anybody who thinks like Mike Pence? Have you met anybody? In your travels and, you know, this summertime, have you, have you bumped into anybody on the golf course, uh, you know, at, the, at a restaurant, at a party, at a cookout who says, you know what the problem is? We aren't sending enough tanks to Zelensky. That's a former vice. That's the thinking 
in Washington. It's just stunning to me that a guy would say that, even if he thought it. He said it out loud in front of a crowd in Iowa, a, an event sponsored by The Blaze. I mean, these are these are engaged, energized Republican conservative voters. And they cheered Tucker and they jeered Pence. But Pence has like advisors. He has like a staff. And they're telling him, you know what you do? Go out there and say, damn it, we got to send them F-16s. We got to send them more Abrams tanks. That is utterly insane. And again, if that was your position, wouldn't you, I don't know, reconfigure it a little for that audience yeah. and say, we'll give them a timeline. We'll give them a deadline. We'll, we'll, we'll t- None of these candidates ever talks peace. None of them, except Trump, of course, and we're going to get to that, how Trump talked peace and how he's going to get peace, demand peace in 24 hours, which is stupid. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Why does it have to be 24 hours for Trump? Why can't it be, I don't know, a week? (laughs) But that was uh, Friday. Saturday, the crowd moves, or the cameras, Tucker and some of the candidates. Uh, By the way, Asa Hutchinson, got booed in both places. He got booed in Iowa. He is just such a pathetic lost soul. I don't know why he's running. I guess he's got nothing to do. He went from getting booed in Iowa to getting booed even louder in Florida, down in uh, Palm Beach for this uh, Turning Point USA event. And they had all the heavy hitters, man, speaking at this event. They had everybody. They had uh, uh, the Megyn Kelly and Dan Bongino and and all the, well, not all, lots of the candidates. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. gave a stem winder. But Tucker obviously stole the show. Tucker went up there, if I'm not mistaken, for about 45 minutes with no notes. And I don't think a teleprompter and winged it. And he, you know what he encouraged people to do? To heckle or to yell. He says, I'm the only speaker that likes hecklers. And he would talk to them. They would yell things and he'd go, what'd you say? And he would, he would answer their questions in real time. But I was wondering how he would react to this insane answer from Mike Pence. This isn't, we're not talking about Perry Johnson or Marion Williamson or even Robert Kennedy Jr. We're talking about the staid, conservative, careful former vice president saying he's not concerned with issues in this country that he really thinks the problem is not enough Abram tanks for Zelensky as he fights for a democracy. Uh, <laughs> or Tim Scott saying that our vital interest is, is degrading the Russian military so they don't, you know, attack us. Well, where do these people come up with these ideas? Anyway, Tucker does 45 minutes. Most of it was like stand-up comedy just winging it, talking about uh, everything. And he references his his performance in Iowa where he destroyed a couple of presidential campaigns, ended the career of uh, Mike Pence as we knew it, and uh, doesn't uh, doesn't want to name names, but then hmm, he kind of does. But uh, let's listen to Tucker. Tucker's recap of his, uh, his, his murder of Mike Pence. Go ahead. I don't want to attack anyone in pers- on personal grounds uh, or by name. It's tempting. I will say it's tempting. Whoever said do it, you're the devil on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> do it! <laughs> I've spent my, I've spent my whole life. <laughs> no, 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 no. But if I could make some general observations, which I think are more edifying than just like savaging Mike Pence, um, I, I think 
<laughs> Which I'm not going to do. Because that would be wrong. And it would be wrong because it's too easy. And the easy things are not rewarding, are they? You don't feel good when you beat your five-year-old in soccer or ping pong. Like, what? But I did learn a couple of things. It was super, super interesting. <laughs> That's where he talks about a Christian leader, a noted Christian leader who wants to send more cluster bombs to kill more civilians. It is, it is pretty incoherent and, and, and uh, contradictory. Yeah, I'm a Christian leader, but I support the guy who shut down churches, limit, uh, canceled the election, and wants more cluster bombs for the front lines. And it, it, it's just baffling. Even if you were really, you know, really hated Putin, really upset about this war, really believed in the, the, you know, the sanctity of the Donbass region. Even if you really believe that your voters don't, <laughs> you're not winning support. This is a campaign season and you're saying something so contradictory to what they believe. It's there's such an incredible disconnect. There is no one who's basing their vote on who is more in on endless war. And, you know, people in that crowd hate Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Obviously, they don't like any Democrat. They don't like Gavin Newsom or Liz Warren. They used to like people like Mike Pence and Tim Scott, and they and they listen to him, and it pisses them off. There's a visceral reaction saying, wait a second, you're supposed to be supporting me. You're supposed to be fighting for me. I, I live in a city and crime's out of control. I live in you know rural Ohio and trains are derailing and poisoning us. And you're talking about Abrams tanks and F-16s to degrade Russia's military. As and, and Tucker made a great point. Uh, it was, uh, I, I'm pretty sure this thing was well thought out. Perhaps it was scripted. I can't tell if he's reading, you know, looking at his notes, but he made a great point. He says, how many Americans have been killed by Russia in the last two years? How many Americans? Uh, I'd say zero. I mean, I know Brittany Griner had a tough time. I know the Wall Street reporter is is having a tough. He's in prison. I know Paul Whalen, former Marine, is still in prison. And I'm not saying you know Putin's the good guy. He is a bad guy. He is an evil man. How many Americans have been killed by Mexico from sending fentanyl over the border? That would be in the last two years, a couple of hundred thousand. And he pointed out most people know someone or they know someone who knows someone who has died as a result of fentanyl being produced in Mexico and sent over the border to kill Americans. And we want to send tanks to Ukraine, but we don't even want to close our border. It's just madness how little so many politicians, including Republicans, don't care about this country, their their voters, their supporters, about Americans. They care more about Ukrainians and the Asov unit, just nuts. And uh, I, uh, any any Republican who isn't against the war, against escalating the war, uh, any Republican who doesn't talk about ending the war, demanding peace talks, demanding they sit down and work out a settlement, is just completely ignoring their voters. And I, you know, I think DeSantis is pretty good on this. I think Trump is good on this. I think he at least knows where his voters come down on this. Um, the idea that Ukraine can win, I know I've said it a thousand times, I'll say it again. If you hear a politician like Lindsey Graham say, we must win, you have to define winning. I don't understand. I have never understood what that means. Winning what? So you think 
Vladimir, uh, you think uh, uh, Putin is going to surrender? He's going to wave a white flag, give back the, the land he took and say, I tried, we lost. I think he's more likely to use a nuke than he is to surrender. So I don't understand what winning means. You can settle it, have some peace settlement and say both type teams, both sides can declare victory in some form. Great. Do that if you want, but you can't say we need victory. We need a, 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 a victory parade through Kiev with Zelensky up in the front waving in the crowd because we defeated the Russian army. I don't, I don't know who even believes that's possible. They say it, but they don't really articulate it. What does it look like? They can't tell you. Trump's position is, see, I think Trump would demand peace talks. He would demand some kind of ceasefire. Would he get it? That's another question. So he sits down with Maria Bartiromo, and he says, I could end this war in 24 hours, which he says over and over and over again, like he, like he says everything over and over and over again. And Maria Bartiromo asks a good question. I don't remember exactly how she said it. We can play it. But, you know, what if Putin doesn't agree to sit down in 24 hours and make peace? And that's a damn good question. So obviously Trump is convinced he could he knows him both very well. He loves Zelensky, he says, because of the perfect phone call. That's why he loves him, because he didn't scream and kick and say that, you know, Biden and the Democrats are right. It was a, it was a shakedown or whatever. Uh, he, he, didn't ha- he didn't hang him out to dry after the perfect phone call for which he was impeached. That's why he likes Zelensky. He likes Putin because I don't know why he likes Putin. But he says he knows both guys very well, has good relationship with both guys, and could end it in 24 hours. So the question is, what if they don't listen, Donald? What if they say, uh, no deal, no deal? What happens? Uh, listen to his answer, and you tell me if this makes any sense at all. Go ahead. You said you could end the war in Ukraine in 24 hours. Yes, sir. How would you do that? Uh, I know Zelensky very well. I felt he was very honorable because when they asked him about the perfect phone call that I made, he said it was indeed perfect. He said it was, he didn't even know what they were talking about. He could have grandstanded, oh, I felt threatened. Well, that's not going to be enough for Putin to stop bombing No, Ukraine. no, 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 I'm not saying that. I, what I'm saying is that I know Zelensky very well and I know Putin very well, even better. And I had a good relationship, very good with both of them. I would tell Zelensky, no more, you got to make a deal. I would tell Putin... If you don't make a deal, we're going to give them a lot. We're going to give them more than they ever got if we have to. I will have the deal done in one day. One day. Okay. One day. One day to win a war. If it doesn't end in a day, he's going to give him more than Biden's given him. Give him more than you can imagine. So in other words, in other words, if they don't get, if he doesn't get his way in 24 hours, that means they get tanks, F-16s, and Americans. I mean, that's the threat, that if you don't end it immediately, then we go all in. That's not the answer we want to hear, Donald. And I'm not sure he thought that through either. That's definitely not what Republican voters want to hear. Okay, we'll give you a day, 24 hours, and then we're going to what? Bomb Moscow? <laughs> I mean, uh, I know Trump likes to talk. I, I know he's... He, Got us in no endless wars. I know he's not invested in the uh, the defense industry the way Biden is. I know he's not compromised the way Biden is uh, in Ukraine. But that's not a good answer. Not a good answer, Donald. But Trump still won the straw poll at turning point. Like he got like eighty five percent of the vote. Ooh. He is riding high. 
Next step is picking a VP. I'm going to get to that. I'm setting the odds. I, I put some thought into this, but that's not nearly as exciting as Ironhead. Made a list of the top 10. Is that where we're at? Top 10 creepiest creepy Joe moments. Man, how late were you up doing this? Honestly, it didn't take very long. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, they just kept coming uh, at me. We're going to get to all that. We got uh, a hilarious reaction from the Washington Post to Luke Combs covering Tracy Chapman's song, Fast Cars, and how Luke Combs has made it a huge hit all over again. And the Washington Post says, yeah, it's because he's a white guy. They wouldn't do this for the black queer woman. And boy, do they get fact check. We have a frightening, frightening poll about uh, misgendering people, how millennials, that would be your generation, Ironhead. I hope you're ashamed Mm -hmm. of your generation. And we got Kamala Harris saying the quiet part out loud about climate change. I'm pretty sure uh, they didn't write this for her. They didn't tell her to say it. She just blurted it out and is very revealing. We'll get to all that and more, but first. Excuse me. Uh, listen up. In 2010, our debt was $13 trillion and gold was $1,000 an ounce. By 2020, $23 trillion and $1,500 an ounce. And today, $32 trillion and $2,000 an ounce. So now that we have $1 trillion in interest payments annually and another $1 trillion on defense and Democrats in office, do we really think the spending is going to go down A surging national debt is bullish for gold. Bloomberg stated gold appears as a caged bull awaiting a catalyst. Well, the oncoming commercial real estate crisis will be that catalyst. $1.5 trillion in interest-only loans are coming due, and with vaccines plunging valuations and higher interest rates, more companies are going to just walk away. It's as simple as calling Patriot Gold Group today. Find out why they are an A-plus consumer affairs, top-rated gold and silver company nationwide. Call the proud Americans of the Patriot Gold Group today before it's too late. Mention Newsmax, and you'll get best-in-class service from Patriots protecting Patriots. Patriot Gold Group has the no-fee-for-life IRA, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold or silver. Plus, you may be eligible for the No Fee for Life IRA on qualifying rollovers. Call 888-309-9181 for a free investor guide today. Patriot Gold Group is a consumer affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer for six years in a row. Call now. Write this down. 888-309-9181. Protect your retirement with the Patriot Gold Group. All right, we're going to move. I got to give you enough time to get to the top 10 creepiest creepy Joe moments. We'll just uh, quickly get to a few things before I get to my uh, uh, my list of candidates for vice president for Donald Trump. I'm setting the odds. I haven't seen anyone do this yet. Oh, we got to get to Michelle Wu, Boston mayor. We'll do our misgendering segment. I'll I'll try to be quick and get to our misgendering segment. Let's do Kamala first, though, because Kamala, as we know, usually we play her uh, misspeaking, saying gibberish, talking about the passage of time, talking about being unburdened from whatever the past, just gibberish. That's what she's known for. From what has been. Uh, She says something quite clearly. Is this? No, this is not. She spoke at uh, Jesse Jackson's retirement uh, ceremony and it's embarrassing I, we're not going to play but she's just giggling and in, uh, uncontrollably and making no sense this is her making sense this is uh from pbs her talking about um about climate change and what we have to do to you know reduce our emissions and save the planet let's listen 
When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water. Wow, they applauded that one. Did you catch that? When we reduce population, reduce population, that's the vice president of the United States saying the quiet part out loud. We need to reduce. What in the hell is she talking about? I mean, I know she loves abortion, but we already have plenty of abortions. What We need to reduce population to save the planet. That's what you hear. I guarantee it. Some of these creepy, you know, World Economic Forum and Davos conferences behind closed doors. The order, I think the smart ones know you're not supposed to say it out loud, but that's what uh, Klaus Schwab and, and John Kerry and Al Gore, Bill Gates, they would love to see us reduce population, but you're not supposed to say it out loud, dummy. Again, again, you sit there and obviously Biden is unfit for office. Obviously he is in cognitive decline, but is there anything scarier than that woman stepping into the big chair? Stepping into the to the Oval Office and taking and becoming our forty whatever forty seventh oh god, it is scary just to think about. But anyway, that is your uh, your vice president here. Let me get to our next vice president. Let me do this now. Next vice president. Oh, you want to do Michelle Wu? Yeah, it's up to you. No, hold on, Michelle Wu. We got a we got a misgendering segment. I'll try to be quick, but we got we got big news in the misgendering front. That's a big problem today, you know, in America. Misgendering. You know, we got you know, we got whatever, trains derailing and we got floods and we got heat waves and we got an open border and crime, but misgendering is a real issue for uh, uh millennials and for that dope. Is she a millennial? Michelle Wu? I think uh, she is. Is she that young? I don't know. She looks it. She looks like she's 14, but uh, it sounds like it too. But let me get, I'm going to set the odds. Brian, Byron Dolls was asked about becoming potential vice president for uh, uh, Donald Trump. I think it's a good time for Trump right now. I mean, he, he obviously he wants all the attention, but when he names a VP, obviously he's going to do better than he did last time, which was picking Mike Pence. There's some good potential candidates and, and they all offer something. Here's my list. You ready? Yep. Uh, I'm going to set Byron Donalds as the favorite, and I want you to consider who's making the choice. Donald Trump, things that are important to Trump. He likes appearances. He likes guys. Remember Mad Dog Mattis? He liked him just because of his nickname, Mad Dog. He liked Rex Tillerson because he was big. His name was Rex, and he was manly. He likes looks. He likes optics. Byron Donalds is big. He's, He's very articulate. He's smart. He's from Florida. Now, Florida is a big state, important state, even not just in the general, but in the primary. He really wants to beat uh, DeSantis on his home turf. Uh, Donald's represents uh, southern uh, southwest Florida, Fort Myers, Naples. Um, he's fearless. He goes on CNN. He goes on ABC this week, whatever, Good Morning America, anything. He'll debate. He did a show with that crazy uh, 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 congressman debated him live on the air and killed him. He's such, he's a good debater. He's smart. He's tough looking. Uh, I think that's your number one choice. And you know what the clincher is going to be? The name. Someone's going to say that the, 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 uh, the signs, the bumper stickers will be Donald and Donald's. Donald and Donald's. Trump will like that. Catchy. That's important to Trump. I'm setting him at two to one. Next, Carrie Lake. 
seven to two. That's my odds for Carrie Lake. Uh, failed in her attempt to, to win the governorship. She got screwed out of it, but she's she's crazy like Donald, like Trump. She's she's tough. She's fearless. She's good looking. She's articulate. Former TV person and Arizona, even though she didn't win it, is important. So that helps. I'm going to set her at. You can tell me if the odds make any sense if they add up. I'm going to put her at seven to two. Vivek Ramaswamy. Now people think he's a plant by Trump and Trump supporters because Trump never attacks him. He likes him. Vivek is just out there constantly. He is tireless. He's so full of energy, smart as hell. He's good on his feet. Um, and some people think the whole thing is by design. He's going to attack DeSantis, attack the other candidates, attack Biden, and Trump isn't going to attack him because he likes him and supports him. He might, I'm not sure he wins any states, um, but Man, could you imagine Vivek versus Kamala in a debate? <laughs> Vivek versus Kamala in a debate? That would be like a friggin' windshield against a friggin' bug, man. It would just be, he would just destroy her. Um, but he's only 37. He's 40 years younger than Trump, 43 years younger than Biden. He's got a lot of time left. So you could tell him the way to turn, or he could be chief of staff, or he could be in the cabinet. Uh, number f- that's it. Uh, I'm going to go Marjorie Taylor Green. What was what was his odds? What'd you put him at? This was eight to one. Okay. How am I doing so far? So so far so good. We got a plus one hundred, plus three fifty, and a plus eight hundred. Oh, good. Um, Marjorie Taylor Green ten to one. George is important, but she is a polarizing figure. The Democrats hate her. Uh, she splurts out whatever's on her mind. Uh, she would be a controversial choice, but she loves Trump. He loves her. And uh, she would be, she's a fighter, a little, a little crazy, but he likes that. And she's tough. She's a big uh, crossfitter. She can do like 20 pull-ups, which is amazing. Uh, That's important. Uh, I got her at 10 to one. Number five on the list. This is your wild card. What if, here's what I don't know. What if today, down in Palm Beach, there's a lunch meeting right now, shortly. Tucker Carlson sits down with Donald Trump, and Trump says, you don't really have a job right now. You're between jobs. You're having fun. You're very, you're enjoying yourself. You love the fight. What do you say? What do you say, Tucker? My vice president, we win the White House, and you slide into the, into the presidency in 2028. He's still young. He's 53, I believe. I would say I'm going to put Tucker at that on 20 to one. It's not going to happen. I, I'll admit it wouldn't happen, but what if it did? What if it did? The, the grassroots, the base loves Tucker. They like Tucker more than they like Trump. They like Tucker more than anybody. They cheer for him when he just walks in the room. Yeah. And he would be the greatest debater ever. I mean, I, I there'd probably only be one debate, whether it's Kamala or somebody else. He would destroy anybody. Tucker on the campaign trail would be wild. Uh, I'm not sure he wants to take the pay cut. I'm not sure he wants to give up, you know, his Twitter show or whatever else he's doing, all the speeches he's making and, and, and making money. Plus, it's going to be a lot of work and a lot of travel. So he probably wouldn't want it. But how big would that be? Tucker Carlson. It would be it would be too big to the point that. If he's running, he's running for himself, not to be Trump's right yeah, hand. That's a good point. He might overshadow. He definitely would overshadow Trump. And it's it's not Trump's fault, but we've seen so much of him. You know, he was obviously ran 
we knew him before that as apprentice and everything else. And then he's president and then he runs again. Now he's everywhere. He's been a candidate since I don't know, January and uh, Tucker would be kind of a fresh sort of fresh face and he would overshadow Trump, but you could see the bumper sticker Trump and Tucker, you know, that, I don't know. It would, it would be huge. It would be, it would be seismic. I would love it. Even though I enjoy Tucker on Twitter and enjoy whatever. I hope he comes to Newsmax, but it would be huge. But I think the one that makes the most sense is Byron Donalds. And uh, that's what I expect. And like I said, the clincher, the name, he likes that. He likes that little catchy things. Throw that on a sign, throw that on a bumper sticker. And he's like, he's like Vivek and Carrie Lake is he's just tireless. He's got a lot of energy He's a tough guy, uh, and he helps you when helps you in Florida. The but, thing, uh, anyway, the thing that the thing that Trump likes more than names and stuff, though, is winning. And DeSantis, due to budget cuts, has been having to fire a lot of his staff. He knows his campaign stinks. So, well, that's I, not true. He cuts six people. His staff has a hundred people. He cuts six. Yep. I mean, honestly, it's not a good sign. But bringing people on. Bringing in people defense, on. I'll give you the devil's advocate. Trump's biggest problem is he didn't fire people. You know, he didn't fire, uh, you know, Christopher Ray. He didn't fire Fauci. He is bad at personnel. Uh, you can't turn around and say, oh, look at DeSantis. He's firing people. Good. If they're not getting the job done, get rid of them. So we get rid of six people. Anyway, the, the, the lunch, right. the lunch I, meeting. I, I, te- I didn't, I didn't even include him in the list because there's such bad blood right now on the campaign trail. But you know what? You make a good point. Reagan picked George H.W. Bush after they went at each other's throats for months and months and months. That's right. It's happened before. uh, And you're right. If he ever picked DeSantis like tomorrow, the media wouldn't know what to do. They'd be like, wait, I thought I thought this whole Trump versus DeSantis, we were going to have we were going to milk this for six more months. We hate both these guys. The media would be like, wait, they're teaming up. How is that possible? It would be huge. And. It would make sense for DeSantis for this reason. He'd become the front runner for 2021, 2028 immediately. Mm-hmm. Everyone would just look at him and say, and Trump is a one-termer. We know that. So there'd be no question like there is with Biden. Can he handle another term? Right. It would be over. Boom. Done. Uh, it would be exciting. But anyway. Un- unbeatable ticket. I, I, well, you know, we don't forget, you know, ballot harvesting and yeah. drop boxes and mail-in <laughs> voting and everything else. Uh, I'll do this quickly um, before we, I'll do this quickly before we get to your list and the, uh, and the crime of misgendering. Oh, I hope I uh, have time for that. I'll just do the tweet. This is from a Washington post reporter. This made me laugh out loud this morning. Emily Yar from the Washington post. This is the actual tweet. If you don't know, Luke Combs covered Tracy Chapman's song fast cars and it's become a huge hit. He's like dominating the charts. I think it was number one. There were two country songs, one and two on the billboard, whatever, top hundred. And it was uh, Morgan Wallen and Luke Combs. First time in like 40 years, there's been two country song, uh, two country artists. He took Tracy Chapman's song, Fast Cars, and made it country. So the Washington Post reporter writes, as Luke Combs' hit cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car dominates the country charts, it's bringing up some complicated emotions in fans and singers who know that Chapman, as a queer black woman, would have almost zero chance at that achievement herself. So again, this is one of the greatest examples of the media uh, of racism 
the, the supply just doesn't meet the demand, that this is how a Washington Post reporter looks at a story like this. They see it and they say, wait, he's a white guy. He's covering the song of a black woman. No wonder he's getting such accolades. They only do that for white guys. It's her song and he's getting more. Immediately, she is fact-checked and community noted, which is glorious. <laughs> uh, can you can you put that, that uh, fact-check up on the screen for me? Oh, let me get it here. I got it here. Uh, let's, let's, uh, damn, I get, it's behind a, uh, the Washington Post story, of course, is behind a paywall, which I'm never paying for, but uh, I'll get the, uh, the fact check. And it tells you what happened when Tracy Chapman made the song. But this is unbelievable. There's a whole story about how this wouldn't happen for, uh, it, it wouldn't happen for, for a black a black queer woman, a black, a black queer woman today. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, like a friggin' tweet or a story out of like 1986 or something. Today, we're supposed to believe that a black queer woman wouldn't get here. It is the fact that uh, the readers add context is a community note. Fast car by Tracy Chapman was nominated for three Grammy Awards, including Record of the Year. <laughs> she won for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance and Best New Artist. She has seven other Grammy nominations and two wins. <laughs> she got more credit, more accolades, more awards. Obviously, he's selling whatever, selling records and on top of the charts. But how do you do better than three Grammy Awards, including record of the year and song of the year. It was nominated for song of the year. And the Washington Post thinks, oh, they just wouldn't give her any credit because she's a black queer woman. <laughs> How lazy do you have to be to write that story? I'm looking at, oh, I got behind the paywall. A whole story about how she, the, she just couldn't get credit for the song she wrote, she performed because she's black and queer. It's a lot. Oh my, I'm looking at it. It's, you know, 20, 30 paragraphs. It's a thousand words. And it's total, total BS. <laughs> she won. She was nominated for Song of the Year. But, you know, man, if she weren't black, she probably would have won more Grammys. Oh, these people are just shameless. All right. I'm going to get to. <sighs> we have time. Oh, yeah. You know what? We'll save the trans, uh, the misgendering story. We will save it because we got to get the Ironhead put in a lot of effort here. Mm -hmm. We'll do Shay and then we will get to it. Finally, top 10 creepiest moments of creepy Joe Biden's life. Ironhead had his tough task. He had to whittle it down to winnow it down to 10, but he did it. I think I have my number one, my new number one. We'll see if it uh, matches up with yours. But first, I, excuse me. As you know, Shea Concrete has a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. This is your spring project, people. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great uh, values on designs that will fit your home. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you much better curb appeal. Make your front steps the talk of the town and do it now. Do it this spring. No reason not to. 
You know that removing the stairs is a pain. They're heavy. They're awkward. And where do you take them when you get rid of them? Shay will take care of all that for you. They Leave it to them. When they're done, you'll have a great-looking new entrance that will add value to your home. It's more than an upgrade. It's an investment. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience. In a few hours, you'll get a brand-new front entrance. Learn more at SheaConcrete.com. And while you're there, you can look for a job. Shea Concrete is hiring. Right now, they have between 15 and 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people and skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. That's it. Go to shakeconcrete.com. All right, it was uh, a couple days ago in Helsinki, Finland, with Joe, creepy Joe, Herbert the pervert from Family Guy. That's who he is. Uh, Couldn't keep his hands off a little kid. I said, that's got to be the creepiest moment. Especially, I see, I think what makes it worse is he must have been put on notice you got to stop doing it, Joe. You got to stop sniffing kids. By the way, you know what he did over the weekend? He gave a little kid, a little boy, an ice cream and he leaned down, he handed him the ice cream, which for a normal person, you'd say, that's okay. That's not a big deal. But this is a, this is a creepy old man who's been caught hundreds of times sniffing kids, touching kids, touching women inappropriately. And he just can't stop. It's like some one, it's like a character from Law and Order SVU, you know, it's that creepy guy or character from Sound of Freedom, which by the way, kicked ass again this weekend, $85 million in two weeks. It came in second behind Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible. It's going to pass $100 million, they're predicting by midweek, by Wednesday. Good for everybody. Get out there and see Sound of Freedom. You get to see people in it. They're only actors and characters. Joe Biden's the real thing but you get to see people who just can't keep their hands off children. Well, he did it again. And I said, this has to be number one. Ironhead says, uh, he'll, he'll do the research. You did the research. Let's go. Top 10. Top 10. Uh, I was supposed to be top five, but there was just so many to choose from. I said, hey, let's do 10. Right. Um, coming in at number 10. Uh, there's no touching involved. That's why this is number 10. But this is Joe Biden creepily telling this girl who she can and cannot date while the dad is about to beat the crap out of him. And Secret <laughs> Service has to reach in and, and take his hand away. Ooh, this is a good one. I'll let it go. Look at Jim. Now, the very important thing I told my daughter and granddaughters, no serious guys in the 30s. Okay. No, no serious guys in your 30s. Don't keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you know, that's ten, number 10. You tell me there are nine creepier moments. This guy's funny. The guy who videotapes at the uh, Secret Service is trying to stop him from recording. Biden putting his hand on this little girl and saying, no serious guys until you're 30. Yep. And he probably has this wretched breath and he's breathing. <laughs> and she's, you know what makes that one is her reaction, her face. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, let's get to number nine. Number nine, um, grabbing Eva Longoria's side boob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this has a separate category. Oh. Famous, beautiful, famous women. Even they, they, they know that he is uh, a creepy old man. Go ahead. And there it is. And she pulls. Oh, he gets a little. Look at the. Oh, we have the close up of the hand, which is about to get side boob. As she's it, moving away. Like. <laughs> Did get a little side boob, but uh, all right, that's nine. Let's go to eight. Uh, eight. All right. This is uh, R.I.P. Ashton Carter, but this is Joe Biden completely molesting his wife in front of him. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. I don't. Well, 
Thank you, Mr. Vice President. I think you know how much it means to me to have you swear me in today, and I thank you. So far, so creepy, but nothing terrible. <laughs> this is the highest honor. Wait for it. The, the 25th. He goes in, he smells Pantene Pro-V and has to go in here. The president, the vice president, for your trust and confidence. Oh, he's touching her. Just to the U.S. Senate as well. It gets worse. For their trust and confidence. Got a lot of oh, as he goes in for the sniff. Uh, and now he has to, he sees it out of the corner of his eye and has to put his hand back on his wife's shoulder there. <laughs> that was, yeah, disgusting. Uh, let's get, let's get, what are we at, Six. Uh, we are at seven here. This one is Joe Biden casting his ballot with his granddaughter and the way he puts the sticker on her chest is always throwing me for a loop here. I, I don't understand. That's what he right. They for. vote and he gets a little sticker. I voted, which, you know, you really should just put on yourself. Yes. But he has to do it for her. First vote. Yeah. Oh, nice family. You know, I showered with her mom. Thank you. Thank you. Here's the problem. She put the sticker on him, which is what led him to do it. Ready? He's getting weird. This is on the lips. Keeps his hand right on her chest as he does it. Looks like it's almost time for a shower. Almost. Almost time. Uh, number six, uh, this is Joe Biden at a, uh, taking questions. This is back when before his brain was completely broken and had a very strange line to this little girl who's in the audience. Because a lot of times you'll hear oh. people say like, oh, what a cute kid or something. Right. He makes it more serious and I find it strange. I tell you what, honey, what I'm going to do, if you give me an address, I'm going to write you a longer answer and tell you the exact things I would do, Okay. Okay, promise. I'll bet you're as bright as you're good looking. I tell you, I tell you what. He just calls her good looking in front of a group of people. And what, what would you, how old would you say she is? Little, uh, I think ten. Ten, ten. Telling how good looking the ten year old is. <laughs> yeah, you're hot. Uh, okay, right. where are we at? Time for the top five. This is a new one. I found the undoctored clip. We played it last week. This is him uh, whispering in the little kid's ear and then realizing he's being recorded. Oh, right. This is a, this is a new one. Look how creepy he is. Oh, go ahead. Time to take all these pictures. Yeah. Look how he's looking at it. Can you whisper your secret? Don't tell mommy what I told you. You got it? <laughs> He, that makes the list just for that line. Don't tell mommy what I told you. And he says Don't he's going to whisper tell. something in her ear, and he just clearly is sniffing the uh, baby shampoo. That is, and, and and the classic line from all all child predators: "Don't tell mommy." Don't tell mommy. All right. All right what? Now this is my one of my all time favorites at number. And four. It's only number four. Yeah, all time right. favorites. This is uh, Joe Biden talking about swimming with children back in the day. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, and what he used to let them do and what he likes. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down 
so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again they look at it so i learned about roaches i learned about kids jumping on my lap and i've loved kids jumping on my lap <laughs> okay <laughs> that, you know what that's a good one man that belongs that's top 10 of top five of any list i love kids jump he wasn't president yet when that thing came went viral and people still voted for that guy that 81 million voted for the guy who loves kids jumping on his lap um number three top three coming in this one is amazing that it's not the number one on this man's list because he is so gross uh but this is when he's doing a speech and he recognizes someone that he met when she was uh very very young well we got a lot to do gotta say hi to me we go back a long way she was 12 i was 30 but anyway this woman helped me get an awful lot done <laughs> he says it out loud out loud Honest to God. you know what if you're going to defend him you'd have to say he's just an, a moron i mean if he's not a pervert he's a moron you say that out loud in front of a crowd on camera she was 12 i was 30 yeah, that's in what capacity did you possibly meet her and she do a lot for you when she's 12 and you're 30? <laughs> she rubbed his hairy legs. That's what she did. I got blonde hair in the in the sun. <laughs> you know what? Corn Pop was the good guy. That's when he, you know, he Corn Pop, Corn Pop wasn't a bad dude. Corn Pop knew this pervert was that getting kids to rub his legs and he kicked his ass. That's what happened. That's he the real story of Corn of Pop. Boys. <laughs> Where are we at? Number two? This is number two. Okay, Jerry. Ooh. This is where you're going to disagree with me because my number two is what happened in Helsinki last week. Uh, and here we are, him just thinking. If you of, haven't seen this, that you really have to. This is so freaking creepy and insane and just nuts. Go ahead. Nibbles, nibbles, goes for the sniff. And the kid pulls away, as always. These terrible people, this father and mother are terrible parents. They laugh and they pat him on the shoulder after he tries to nibble their child. And the poor girl pulls away. What is he doing? Does that get him aroused? Does that that really excite him to kind of nibble on a strange child? (laughs) This was last week, Friday, I believe. If you haven't seen it yet, Google it, watch it over and over again. That is your president. Yep. An absolute creep. Now, but that's my choice for number one. Yes, at least it was. I haven't seen the whole list yet, so let's have it. So it. number one is Joe Biden completely making Senator Coons' daughter uncomfortable to Ooh, the point that she wants good- to jump out of the room, get anywhere but there, and you can tell her dad gave her a heads up on that this was going to happen. Thank you. Oh, the mom's right. like, nice get away. I don't think you can't make you know a what? kid more That's a good choice. I can't. I mean, all 10 of them could be number one on anyone else's list. But correct. Here's where I blame. Obviously, Biden's a predator and a creep. But Chris Coons is the biggest supporter there is of Joe Biden. Chris Coons is Delaware senator, his successor. And he's standing right there while this old creep is sniffing his daughter's hair and leaning in. And she's creeped out. Mm-hmm. And he just smiles. The parents, I mean, they're not as bad as the predator, but the parents are just pathetic. 
in these situations. You could tell that the parents knew that was going to happen beforehand. The mom's going like, all right, enough. And the dad, right. you can see he's like trying to pull her away and she is trying to get anywhere but that room. And no, he can. No one, you, knows, no one knows what he's like more than Chris Coons. He knows correct. probably he has all the stories. He's seen him off camera. He knows mm-hmm. he's a, he's a creep. He knows he does this all the time, and he lets his daughter in the same vicinity as Joe Biden. Shame on you, Chris Coons. But- and there's no way that he Biden could not tell that she was very uncomfortable. And for that, that will be number one until something worse happens. Uh, until tomorrow. <laughs> until tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I ask, what is he doing off camera? If that's what he's doing on camera, I what do know. you suppose when there's no cameras and no parents? It's just like, you know, typical pedophile they don't they move in when the parents aren't aren't watching you know with their cell phone cameras that is unbelievable but i still like one from last week because again the whole world that was in helsinki there were cameras from all over the world Mm -hmm. and he wasn't just sniffing he was nibbling last point on that uh his brain still was pretty much working when he did it to uh coons's daughter that's true it's he's not a real person anymore no, no, that's true. He's just like that, like, you know, the cartoon character, the Herbert, the pervert, the old guy who's just kind of not thinking clearly anymore. And he's just pursuing his, his little carnal desires. I want to, I want to nibble on this little kid. He's president. President is doing that in Finland in front of the world. God, I hope every one of you, 81 million are just ashamed and embarrassed that you put him in this position yeah, to represent if, us on the world stage. But if you disagree anyway. with my list, let me know. Yeah. Let, uh, let Ironhead know. How do they let you know? Uh, on Twitter at, at Craig VGS or at Callahan show on Twitter. Either one. You can tweet, tweet at the show. If you disagree, or maybe you have another nomination, but that's a pretty good top 10 list. I will give you that Ironhead. Good job. <laughs> I think on the, that. I think though, the top 10 you know, is secured. Number one. Yeah. Top 10 is secured, but the order could change a bit. You know, we should do someday, you know, when you have some free time, we'll do a top hundred list. What do you think of that? <laughs> that would take a little we'll longer. Like a six hour show. Yeah. <laughs> the top hundred creepiest moments from creepy Joe Biden. All right. We didn't get to the uh, misgendering. We'll do that tomorrow. The uh, mayor of Boston's upset that, uh, you know, kids were in a drug fuel department. A guy died. A bunch of guys were dressed as women. And she's upset that some people on the uh, fire department misgendered the poor guys who were doing drugs around kids. But, <laughs> and we got a poll that will just blow your mind, but I'll save that. Oh, and we got Charlize Theron and her little fashion accessories, also known as her adopted <laughs> children. Yeah. Save those, Ironhead. We will get to all that tomorrow, but that will do it for today. Thanks for listening and commenting and uh, reviewing Ironhead's top 10 creepiest, creepy Joe Biden moments. Thanks, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we will do it again tomorrow. God save the queen, man. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not. Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. 
Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen.